Well, good morning, Olive Branch. It's good to see you guys. If you have a junior hire, they are uh, released at this time, and a high schooler, and I know they're kind of scattered throughout the room out for their own programming in the back, so good to see you guys. Have fun. Um, otherwise, good to see you guys. How you doing? Good. This group's good. How about you guys over there? Are you good? All right, good. That's what I'm talking about. Let's wake up. And this is a... God has given us an opportunity to praise him and know him and to uh, glorify him. Let's just do that this morning. Let's start off with that. Just give him a praise with our hands. So. And uh, we're, doing, we're in this final part of this series called Freedom Bound. This is our last installment. And we've been talking about this concept of freedom and singing about in your freedom I will live and all these pieces. And freedom's a precious thing as we've been discussing it and looking at it, especially when it comes to how we use it. I can recall as a, as a young guy, I was four or five. I mean, when I'm talking young, I'm young. I can remember walking along on the streets near my house just off of a Main Street in West Mission Court. And I grew up on, on that street up until third grade. And I can still remember were um, tra- trailing behind some young guys. They were four, three or four years older than me. And so you're you know, young guys. You're talking, I'm four. They're, they're seven or eight. And uh, they, they would routinely, at some point in the middle of my conversation, I must have been a really annoying kid or something, because they would turn around and eventually shove me to the ground, push me aside, do something in that manner to, to, uh, to, to treat me like I was the, the kid who wasn't wanted. And when I'd start crying and get upset, they'd say, it's okay. You're a big guy, Greg. You're a big guy. It's okay. And so don't cry. And I was just like, oh, you know, I hated that. I hate that. I've hated that sentence all of my life. But what's interesting is that this hurt me so badly because I was being treated so much like the other on the block. I was the youngest boy on the block and just my, so wound up my best, my only friend on my street was the blind kid across the street that they thought of as another other in the neighborhood. And so, but it kind of seeded into me kind of a feeling. And so by the time I was in sixth grade, sitting across the table from uh, a young man in, um, in my class, who had a bit of a saliva problem. He would drool quite a bit, and he, his just mouth was constantly wet. And so he immediately was connected as another inside of our, inside of our class. And we would immediately pick on him and poke at him and, and, and do all kinds of stuff. And I can remember being in Space Mountain uh, for our sixth grade class trip and standing in line, and, and he was just scared to death. And suddenly, we all just started just nipping at him, like, oh, no, it's a great ride. It's all in the dark. You know, it's really funny. It flips over. In fact, I think we were... You know, you're sixth graders, so you're trying to make it sound as scary as possible. It jumps off the tracks and lands on another one. By the time we were done, he was crying. He was scared. I, I think he may have even wet his pants. It was so horrible the way that we treated him. And I start off because this is probably one of the worst memories of my life in how I've treated somebody who was different from me and how I've treated somebody with my freedom as a human being. And the the necessity of us binding our freedoms, the necessity of us limiting ourselves to care for other people is so important. It is affected even on those small little levels. Because the early church was, was dealing with the same way and reactions that I was dealing with others in my life. And the, and, and the Jewish people growing up, they'd been raised that anybody was not a part of the Jews. They were an other. They were a nation. They were a Gentile. And, and they, would, they wouldn't eat at their house. They wouldn't invite them into their neighborhoods. In fact, they just called them dogs. That was their terminology for them. And they kept themselves at arm's length away from the Gentiles, the nations. And in the midst of all that racism and, and, and bigotry and the stuff that were going on, they justify it with their biblical thoughts and things like that. But ultimately, the early church began to enter the same conflict because there were Jewish converts and there were Gentile converts that were coming down at the same table. And in the midst of all of this, they were starting to treat each other as others. 
And they're starting to treat each other as where they were having different services and different stuff like that. And maybe you're part and parcel of this as well. You kind of fit in somewhere in your life. There's a someone, a name. It may be that David kid. It may be a, a, a different girl's name or something like that. That you just, you, you put on a lower scale and you push down a bit. We've all done it somewhere in some manner. Or maybe you found that you were on the other end like I was when I was little and later in life, as the other being put out, being pushed aside, not being allowed in. You found yourself feeling like you were never on the inside, always trying to make your way in, always standing on the outside of the circle of conversation. In the church, that is not the situation that should exist ever. In the church, we should be a place in which, as we've been talking, we have bound our freedoms, limited our liberties for the love of others and the love of God. Now, we're willing to tell ourselves no so that I can tell you I care about you. I love you. I, I'm thinking about you. So I can tell God, God, you are my devotion. You are the one I am focused on. And so what we want to do is we've looked at the fact that freedom run amok is its own bondage, as I'm revealing in my own heart, that it's bound me down. It's caused guilt and shame in my life. At the same time as it does to all of us, we realize there needs to be this limitation. And so government exists to limit those sometimes, to tell us what's right and wrong, and to keep us bound and limited. In other situations, it's up to us. We need to, out of our love, do that limitation ourselves. And we saw last week, it even comes in when we differ according to our standards, a different to according to our convictions, that the strong and the weak are to act accordingly um, in their binding of their own freedoms. The weak and not hindering the strong, the strong and not stumbling the week, and that there's this reality of us living together in harmony that we're aiming at. And that's ultimately what we want to land in, because it reveals something powerful about God when we do this. And so I want to kind of finalize this conversation, this freedom, in this last segment in Romans chapter 15, and kind of pull this all together. So if you will, grab your Bibles, open up to Romans 15. We're going to start in 7, roll through verse 13, and we're going to kind of finish off this series here. And if you don't have a Bible, you can actually pull a Bible out from under your seats and open it to page 949. You'll be right there with us, able to kind of read through and see what I'm saying, what I'm talking about. Now, Buzz left us off last week with verse 7, and so we're going to pick up on verse 7 and roll forward. It reads this way. Therefore, in light of everything that we've talked about, he's saying, in light of all that we've already discussed about limiting our freedoms and not causing a hindrance and not being, or not giving a stumbling block, all of this stuff, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And so we begin with this conversation. He says, guys, this is the summation of all that we've been talking about. Welcome somebody, welcome each other, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Include them, bring them in. And so it starts off with an observation. Our Lord Christ included us when we were the others. If there's anybody that you put in the other category in your life, Christ put us all in the other category for him. See, when he came to earth, he came to an earth that was filled with sinful humanity. There was not a single person on the planet destined for heaven apart from him. That we were all destined for hell if there wasn't something God was going to do. We were all sinned, we were all condemned, and Jesus shows up and he doesn't meet a single perfect person while he's on his time on earth. And instead, Jesus engages with each individual and he engages them and welcomes them in as 
uh, the others are welcomed into his life. And this is critical because the whole, the whole premise that we've been working on in this series is based on the very idea of the gospel, of the good news, that Jesus Christ has welcomed sinners. That God has not judged sinners and condemned them. He has invited them in to his life. And in fact, it starts here. You can see that in verse 8. He says, For I tell you that Christ came, became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness. And he starts right off. He says, The way that God wants, has welcomed us is, first of all, Jesus came as a servant to the Jewish people. And to do, he did it for a reason, to reveal that God was being truthful about all of his promises, that he wasn't lying, that he wasn't saying there's going to be a savior. Just kidding. Oh, you guys are going to have, um, the nations are going to love our God. Just kidding. No, he came in and revealed the reality of God's truthfulness. And so he did it by being a servant, a slave, a slave to the Jewish people. Hugely important that, that in his love of the others, he served them. You say, well, now how was he serving them? Was it through his, his power to heal? Yeah, he served them in that way, sure. In his teaching, sure, that was a servanthood that he gave away. But ultimately, his service that he gave was on the cross, the ultimate form of service. I guess the best way to explain this is to really take a picture from where all of us were as kids. Anybody remember having chores? Everybody, anybody? Who had the worst chores? Like you had to clean the toilet or you had to actually uh, take the trash out, right? Yeah, okay. So we, we dished those chores out to my kids. And inevitably, I think every household of kids eventually looks at their parents and says something after they've taken the United States history course. They look at their parents and you say, go, go clean the toilet, go take the trash out. And they go, what am I? Your slave? Anybody had your kids say that to you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just recently, right? So it's like my, my kids, they like, look, you want me your servant? I don't want to be your servant. I'm not your servant. You know, that kind of attitude. I had that attitude. Who hasn't had that attitude? In fact, you can look at your parents and think, that's why there's a secret pact. And just don't tell the kids this. We all know as parents, that is why we have children. <laughs> right? No, that's not why. But it's, it's part of life, learning how to serve and, and being a part of the family. But the worst part is in the real world of slavery, what, you're, what our kids are locking into is they feel like they're getting the worst jobs, the grimy, dirty, nasty jobs. Because everybody in the ancient world and everybody in, the ancient, in American history, what they did is they didn't take the worst jobs. They gave those to the slaves. It was for the servants to take the latrine out. It was for the servants to go and take the, the garbage and, and to empty the spit can and all that stuff. That was for the lowest person on the totem pole. Jesus came to the Jewish people and he didn't come as, the, as the, the king riding on the horse to tell everybody what to do while he was a king. He came as a servant, it says. He came as a servant to them. And what he did was the lowest, most menial job you can imagine. He took the latrine of human souls and cleaned it. You see, I, when Jesus was on the cross, he just didn't die on the cross like American, uh, the American gospel is and God just forgave everybody. That's not what happens. When he goes on the cross, he suffers the consequence for the sins of humanity. And on that cross, I really believe Jesus knew how I treated this young man. Jesus knew how those guys treated me. I think he knew every dirty, nasty, sinful, latrine-filled garbage of your soul that none of us would be willing to share and are scared to share to our spouses, our parents, or you name it. You wouldn't retell that story to your children because you would just lose honor in their eyes, whatever it is. That real nasty aspect of each of us, it exists. No need to hide it. God already knows it. And there on the cross, 
Jesus Christ, I believe, at least saw all of my sin. He, it went through his mind in some way, somehow flashed through, somehow visualized, somehow he bore it on the cross for me. He served me. He served us. He took the worst, most difficult, nasty job of human history, the bearing of human sin. Why? It says because he wanted to include. He wanted to welcome us as the others. And it's through receiving what Jesus did on the cross that we are welcomed. Sure, he gives, we can go clean out our own latrines, and we never will. We'll never be able to do that on our own. It takes God to come and clean out human latrines. It's our history. You can't touch your history. God can. He's the only being in all of, in all of the world that can go and back in time and forward. We're stuck. You can't go back and clean up your past. Only God does, and Jesus Christ did it at the cross. He served us in that powerful way. And he did it so that the nations, it says, look, two reasons. Number one, that the nations would glorify God, but also to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. God, God had promised Israel there will be this Savior. He had promised Israel there will be this time in which you will be cleansed and all your sin will be atoned for. And when those promises came through Jesus, the other reason is, verse 9 says, in order that the nations, the Gentiles, might, the others from the Jewish perspective, that they might glorify God for his mercy. What in the world does glorify mean? You ever asked that question? Sat back and really thought about what does glorify mean? It means, you know, does it mean we shout out glory? But when you think about it, it has something to do with brilliance and light because it's always associated with kind of a glow, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory was this light that came out. At the same time, it has to do with fame, the wonder, the renown of a name. It's what happens when some amazing thing happens. We all go, whoa, no way. I was at an angel game the other day when they were, and it was a back and forth seesaw game, great game, two home runs to win the game kind of situation. And everybody, I'm watching this, everybody's screaming like crazy because they got this monkey jumping up and down. And it's like, believe in the power of the rally monkey. I'm like, People are like going nuts, dressed like the rally monkey, screaming like the rally monkey, jumping up and down like the rally monkey, rally monkey, rally monkey. I'm going like, dude, if, if Christians showed up and were jumping up and down and dressed like Jesus at church and screaming, their, people would say, you guys are crazy. But it's all okay if it's a sports game to dress like a monkey. You're like, you're messing with my angels, dude. Don't do that. But no, I want to challenge you. Is your devotion to the angels as strong as your devotion to Christ? Did you sit here in our worship service and fold your arms? Were you jumping up and down because the Lord of God of heaven and earth has redeemed your sins? Believe in the power of redemption versus the power of a rally monkey. Well, yes, it's exciting to see a team win a game and come from behind. It's powerful when you know the latrine of your life has been scraped clean and has been dealt with finally and fully so that the sins of your past, present, and future are finalized. Your hope is sealed and secured, and God loves you with that kind of love. Why wouldn't we show up here going crazy, dressing like Jesus, making our lives as much like Jesus, caring about other people, including others, as he has included us? It's powerful. But the reason... God included the Jewish people and the nations was because he longed for his praise, his worship to grow. Read it again. Let's look at it carefully. Look at verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory. Just insert the word worship of God. Same idea. The knowing of God for his praise. 
For I tell you that Christ became a servant of the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to reveal who he was, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, that's praiseworthy, in order that the Gentiles, the nations, might glorify, know God and and worship him for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you, worship, among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again it is said, rejoice, worship, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Worship all you Gentiles and all all the peoples extol him. Lift him up. Praise his name. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. And even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, uh, in him will the Gentiles hope, have hope, have a desire. Not believe in the power of the rally monkey. I have hope. No, I believe in the power of Jesus Christ on the cross. I have hope. I do not fear what will happen after death. Amen? That's what we're looking at here. God has redeemed and included the others of the world, the nations, those unlike Christians, to bring them in to know Christ for the sake that his worship might grow. That's his purpose and his point, including us, so he's worshiped more, so that he is known. And here's the thing. He's not forcing us to worship him, right? Some of you guys are like, oh, that sounds really egocentric. God's up there going, I'm going to include you. Now worship me. (laughs) Isn't that nice? No. That's not what happens. You see, what happens is when you finally get to know God, you finally realize who God is, you can't help but realize that you've been designed to be amazed by this person, by this person who is God, this being who is God. You can't help it. It comes out of you as you know him, as you look at the stars, as you're saved from an accident, as you see healing, as you see his power, as you see his love, you can't help, but it resonates in the human heart as worship. And it comes out. And it comes out in a lot of different cultures in a lot of different ways and a lot of different others around the world. Guys, we have got to see here that this, what we get to do on Sundays is about praising God, worshiping God. Yeah, our lives can be a mess. They can be all screwed up and things are falling apart, but God's given you hope. It's not gonna stay that way. And we come here to remind ourselves that, to have hope and to worship him, that he has welcomed us. So we need to welcome others. And so we need to include others in our lives so others can worship God. That's the point. It's come from, yes, God include us. Now it's our turn to repay the favor. Let's include other people. Bring them in. And there are several different groups. But before we do that, I hope you're starting to hear the prayer we've been praying through this series. Father, grant us to live in harmony together so that unified we may glorify you. Grant us to live in harmony with love towards one another. Allow us to limit our freedoms, limit our liberties, bind our freedoms for the love of another person and the devotion to God. That's what we're doing. And so bind us together, bring us together in harmony so that united we may glorify him. We may show him off. We may together Reveal God, worshiping him, knowing him, devoted to him. That's right. That means in service, singing out. That means clapping hands. That means shouting out, being happy. Some of you are like, well, that's not me. Well, that's okay. How do you do it? No one's a wall. No one's an inanimate object. Something moves your passion. Something provokes you. Something grabs you. If you say that's not you and you're a screamer at a baseball game, you're a liar. God should capture us with that much passion and imagination because he's that much greater than some sports game. It's powerful. And if we're united together, it reveals him. It glorifies God. And so we need to include each other. It starts here as an inclusion of each other. 
We need to encourage each other, build up each other. I mean, the whole book of Romans has been built around this concept of us being united in Christ, being together. And so we've been talking about this, that we need to be united and not divided. Because if we're divided, the world sees that. And they see it as a knock against our faith. Give you an example. How many of you have ever been asked the question about, well, if you guys are all on the same system and it's all great, what about all the denominations out there? Anybody ever been asked that old denominations question? What is up with that? Anybody, I mean, maybe you are wondering that as a Christian. You're like, what's up with the denominations? I don't get this. I thought we were supposed to be all united. What's going on? Well, to be quite honest, denominations are interesting. At the core of all denom- of, of, of the true denominations, what you'll discover is a Christian denomination believes in the same basic cores. They believe the Bible's inerrant. They believe that it's inspired by God. They trust it as their guidance and leadership. They trust that, the wor- that God is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a trinity. That's the core pieces. And Jesus Christ on the cross, bearing your sins, is the only way into heaven alone. That's it. And that, yes, he's returning for us. Now, you can build out all that stuff into some pretty detailed stuff, and I can get into other pieces that are essentials, but that basic statement is what the core of every church denomination really should hold. And now, anybody that deviates from that, you'd be getting, there's groups that have been doing that. Churches have moved beyond that into, a, or moved, uh, not beyond, but gone back or whatever, but they've, they've stopped believing those things for other things. And in many cases, those churches kind of lose lose their trajectory. Many liberal churches that have gone for social gospel versus an understanding of theology are closing their doors every day around, around the United States. And it, it's sad, but it's the reality. It's churches that are faithful in this. What you find is then different denominations will differ over practice. I'll give you an example. We here at Olive Branch, we do not baptize babies. I, I don't find it in the text. I don't find it in scripture because I believe that somebody has to know that they've trusted in Jesus Christ in order to be showing that this is their faith. And so that, to me, it has to be a cognizant, real belief that is, that is revealed by what they know. And, and so I don't believe that you should baptize babies. So I can't sit in a congregation, uh, while I would visit a congregation like this, I can't sit in good conscience and, and stand up with them and say, yes, I honor this child's baptism as part of the community and part of being in the covenant community and that, that goes on in some of these churches. I couldn't do that, so I don't join that denomination. Although I don't think they're going to hell, they may be wrong, but they're not going to hell. You see what I mean? They may, yeah, sure, they can baptize a baby. I don't know why you do that. I don't know what the scriptural position is, but, and I do know their position. I just disagree that they're wrong. So anyway, the, the idea is simply that we, we will, and we can differ about those things, but I don't think that they're sinners going to hell because they're wrong in this theology. They're sinners going to hell because I know I'm a sinner going to hell, and everybody is, unless we've believed in Jesus Christ who has borne our sins on the cross and that we've trusted in him in the resurrection. And so all these pieces are fine. Like uh, Some of us, we're going to divide over what kind of worship music we like. Some of you guys, um, we, we're all here. We love our worship music. That's what we're into. We love this stuff. Some people are like, give me hymns and give me only hymns. And so guess what? If I show up with my guitar somewhere uh, and they want me to sing hymns, I'll sing hymns. I love hymns. They're great. I, I, that's not what we want to do. But will they be willing to come visit a rock concert for, for worship? You know, like Some of them are. Some of them aren't. That's the question. Are we going to divide ourselves over small little itty-bitty things that are ultimately not concerned with the ultimate things? And so, we don't agree with the Mormons. We don't consider them a Christian denomination. 
We don't consider the Jehovah's Witnesses a Christian denomination. They, they have taken and they've gutted that central core. And there are aspects in other Christian groups that we debate. I'll debate a lot on some very as- essences of Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. Now, I do, now that, you can ask me questions later. Do you believe they're all not saved? I don't know. I think that you'll find believers in some fascinating, some fascinating places. But the bottom line is, when it comes to denominations, the basic denominations are those that really believe the word of God and they believe that statement that I laid out. And yes, we're going to divide over some practices. We're going to look different. But I fully expect my brothers at Crossroads at South Hills, over at North, over at North Point, EV Free, and down in the churches in Elsinore, you know, I, I, I look forward to being their brother in, in heaven. I enjoy, I look forward to worshiping with them. And that's the case that we need to be at. That's not that is not being divided in the way the Bible is talking about. Does that make sense? Sorry, I've kind of gone on on that. Let's move on. How do we keep each other then welcoming each other? Well, go back and listen to the series. And you'll pick up a lot of it. We don't have to divide over government. We don't have to divide over these things. We're going to bind our liberties, bind our freedoms to care for each other. And that means if you're strong and you can take an alcoholic drink and you're able to sit here, and, well, you're not going to shove it on somebody else who can't. You're going to bind your liberty. You're even willing to not drink in front of that person, around that person, in order that they wouldn't stumble. At the same time, if you're weak and that's a sin for you, you're not going to hinder anybody from doing what they, from drinking or doing something like that, or dancing or or chewing or going with girls who do whatever that thing is. There, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hold yourself in your position to say, you know, I'm going to bind my freedom to tell somebody no, and we're going to stand in peace with one another as brothers and sisters, entrusting each other to God, who is our judge. Amen? There, simplified it. God is judge. But where there's sin, God has called us to stand. And so we will continue to, do, to say sin is sin. Yes, sex outside of marriage in any form is sin. Yes, lying when, to harm an individual and to bring gain to yourself is sin. Yes, stealing is sin. Murder, insult, any form of defaming the image of God is sin. We're not going to sit around and say, well, that's okay. The culture doesn't think it is anymore. Let's move on. No. Sin is sin. We draw the lines there and we, we work with each other, even to the point of kicking each other out of the community that they might see that it's sin to come back in. We're not changing what Jesus said. But we do, however, and I, the reason I have to do all this, guys, and I hate having to do this, because our culture is very confused about the idea of love and tolerance and all that stuff. You know that. I haven't changed my position on tolerance. I still think it's a lousy, a lousy form of love. But the goal is love and to care for one another, to bind our liberty, to limit our freedoms for the sake of others and the devotion of God. And that's what we're talking about here. And so when he says, welcome each other, it's in that context And when we do that, when we love each other like this, we wind up obeying Jesus. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And when they see that with each other, when they see that kind of love, the world begins to go, wow, those are really disciples of Christ. Now, that includes each other, but it also then does not mean we exclude ourselves from the others who are different than us. That doesn't mean just because we we have a friend who's a homosexual, that because you're a friend, you're endorsing it. Just because you have a friend who's a con artist doesn't mean that you're, just because we go to the jails does not mean we're endorsing what they do in the jails. Does that make sense? 
But we still need to reach out to others. We still need to connect with people who don't worship Jesus, who don't know that Jesus Christ has borne their sins on the cross. In fact, what's a sad statistic, according to Bill Hybels and Just Walk Across the Room, it's been upheld in other places, is the longer you're a Christian, the less likely you are to have a non-Christian friend. Starts at like 20 your first year and drops to zero by your eighth. Many of us would probably be hard-pressed outside of work to say you really have a friend who's a non-Christian, somebody you're pouring into, inviting over, hanging out with. And many of us don't because we're afraid of association. Let's be honest. What would, the, what would other people think if they caught me with this person at a bar? What would other people think if they caught me with this person, you know, down, downtown hanging out or whatever? Whatever, we have all these associations. You know, my, one of my struggles in our family has been, it's like, we invite them over. What if they just start cussing like crazy in front of our kids because it's okay to them? What do we do? I get it. We got a lot of excuses. You're like, Greg, can you answer that question? Okay, two options. You can either ask the person politely, hey, could you not cuss around my kids? Good option. Second one is, let them cuss like crazy, and then when they leave, you go, you know why we don't talk like that? And you teach your children why as Christians, we have reasons we don't do things. Two options, both of them applicable, you pick. All right, so... But that doesn't mean we exclude people. That doesn't mean we keep them out of our lives. We should have lots of non-Christians in our lives, and we shouldn't be afraid of association. You might know that. Do you know why I know that? Because Jesus walked up to a guy named Matthew, and he didn't walk up to him and said, Hey, Mr. Tax Collector, you who steal money from your own people to give it to a, a, a foreign usurper called Rome, you need to clean up your act, get on the Jewish page, make sure you got yourself all figured out, then come follow me. Nope, he just said, come follow me. Then they all went and had a party with all the other tax collectors, drunkards, and everybody else, sitting in the room, having a blast, and all the Pharisees walked up and went, that Jesus, oh, that Jesus. He's a drunkard. He's a wine bibber. He's a partier. How dare you follow Jesus? Anybody heard that before? Jesus didn't care. All he knew is I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come to bring the others that God's worship would grow. I've come to invite the biker gang so that they may be transformed by Christ. I've come to invite the prostitutes. I've come to invite the bartenders and the bar people who tend the bar and then actually go to the I've come to invite all of those people because who needs the physician? The sick. Who needs to be included and loved on and shown that God loves those who don't know that God loves? Guys, this room, I guarantee if you're here, you know God loves you. There are a lot of neighbors in your, in weird, the weird neighbors. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that drive in, disappear. You don't know their name. You've never seen them before. You've lived on your block for three years, and you're like, that guy. That's, that's his name, that guy. You know, the one who mows his lawn really fast and disappears back into the house. That guy. You got that one of those? Everybody's got one of those guys. If not, you are that guy. <laughs> Start staying out front of your house longer. Those people may need Christ. 
but we haven't included them in. When have you had your barbecue this summer? When are you planning on it to invite all your neighbors, regardless who they are and what they bring? When are you guys going to have an opportunity to connect with your association and, and, have a, and set up a party and get to know them and invite them to your house? When are we going to open our doors? Or are we going to be so scared because, you know, Christianity, it's like it's falling apart. Nobody's believing it anymore. And, you know, there's all these objections. And it's so scary because the atheists are saying this. And da 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 And the university. And you see the news? Christianity's dropping. Okay, calm down. It's not true. It's not true. The denominations that are shrinking are liberal denominations that don't believe in Jesus. The evangelical churches like one like this are growing like crazy because people want hope. People need a savior. They want peace. They want meaning. They want to see that they can worship God. And I'm not talking about just any kind of worship God. I'm not talking just singing. I'm talking about worshiping God by eating a slice of pizza. Anybody enjoy that worship experience last week? You with me? Yes? All right. I'm like, I'm like filling the pizza parlors every week. But guys... Worship goes beyond that. People want to know that they're, what worship is is when everything that you do becomes meaningful to God. That you go to work and it's worship. That you drive in the traffic and it's worship. As long as it's not sin, it's worship to God if you will simply aim your heart and your life towards God in that way. And everyone on this earth can get to do that if we could just include them in and let them see what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for them that they would know God and their life would have meaning. Every aspect of their life would have meaning. That's what they long for. That's why it's blowing up in China because the communists don't give them meaning. And so there's 20 million Christians and there are 20 million communists in the Communist Party in China. Who do you think's gonna win? In Africa right now, the gospel's exploding across the nations. Muslims are having dreams and visions of Jesus every week. There are more Christians coming to faith in Muslim territories than in our country because while the, while the entire Chinese and Asian world and Africa and Australia and South America are booming with revival. We shudder and cower because it's not working anymore. It's a lie. The world is on the cusp of a global revival and we cower from people who think they've got the power of the camera. You don't have to believe in the power of the rally monkey. Guys, we get to believe in the power of God. The salvation that he's given us. And what we have here is the truth that we can share by giving love. Bigotry and racism should never be named in the church. Having friends who are homosexual, transgendered, whatever, you, you know what? It's not an endorsement of their lifestyle. It's an endorsement they're made in the image of God and that they need love and they need Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid love. Yes, draw the clear boundaries. We talked about that. Go back and listen to all the podcasts. Draw the clear boundaries, but love. Care. Pray for them. Share. And you know what this may lead you to do? It may lead you to go to another country. This will include us going to where Jesus is not named, as our Africa team is going to do. As they land to take the gospel where Jesus is but a a name never heard of. Or 55-year-olds are willing to go, you know, this was a great life for a little while. I'm going to pack up. I'm going to put my stuff because I heard they listen to elders. I'm taking off. It's time to, it's time to, put a, to take what a lot of people put into, into neutral. I'm going to put it into high gear. 
So for some of you young men and women in the room who are looking for a purpose in living are going to discover that your purpose has been to take your knowledge in the name of Jesus Christ to a place where it's never been named and possibly even die to bring the gospel somewhere where otherwise it may not have broken through for many centuries later. We're in a movement. When are we going to engage together? Where God is including the nations. He's drawing them in so that he would be worshipped more, so that he would be known, and so the people could have hope. That's what it is. By including others, we let other people have hope. Look again. Verse 12 and then 13. Again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the nations hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope. You know what's convicted me so much about this? Yesterday I was sitting on my way driving to uh, drop my son Nate off at a party. Pulling down up to Timiskel Canyon Road and as I pull up, I, I'm about, I'm, I'm, there's two police officers in their cars sitting on the side of the on-ramp and, on, and there's this, this empty 15. It's the weirdest looking thing I've seen in a long time. I was like, this thing's, wow. There's nobody on. So I'm starting to accelerate to get onto the 15 going, whew. This is going to be fun. You know, nobody's on there. This will be nice and free. And this, this guy out of nowhere comes boom, on, a, on a motorcycle covered in his tattoos and his, his biker gang apparel and puts his fist out at me and slows his bike down in front of me. And I'm like, uh, no. So I start to pull a little bit around. He pulls back over. Two other guys show up, come to a full stop before I get on the freeway. I'm like, um, police officers, are you going to do something about this? You know, I'm thinking, my son's like, what's going on, dad? What's going on? And suddenly this, this hearse pulls by, about 20 seconds later, this hearse pulls by, and 250 to 500 motorcyclists, all in their gang paraphernalia, boom, it's like a NASCAR event, going 70 miles an hour as fast as they can down the, down the 15. And I'm watching this, and I'm looking at this guy, your heart's pounding, you're going, oh, this could, this could be a make-or-break moment in my life, you know, kind of situation. And after it was all done and over, my son and I are talking, and it was just like, what was that? And, and as it rotated through, and I told him what was going on, I told him, you know, explained again how we don't have to fear any dangers or anything, because what's the worst that can happen to us? We die, we go to heaven. Whoopee! You know, it's all right! You know, kind of reality. And I just, I was sitting there going, man, I hope, I hope, because the guy is, Patch said, sons of, son of hell, or sons of hell, or something like that. I'm sitting there going, I hope at that funeral, these people here, the hell is not a place they want to go to. That's a suffering torment that does not end, in which your worst nightmares exist because you're there. No love, no freedom, no, no joy exists, no, no excitement, no party. There's nothing but darkness, bleakness, and nastiness for eternity. You can't clean that latrine out, and you can't get yourself put right. And I'm, God, I'm going, God, I hope somebody tells them that the only route out for them is through Jesus Christ, regardless of what they've done in their life, no matter who they followed or dedicated their hearts to, that if they will simply trust Jesus Christ, he will clean the mess up, and they will be free. Who of us is going to reach those hell's angels? Who of us are going to step up to those neighbors, those loved ones, those coworkers? Because it doesn't take to be a hell's angel to go to hell. We simply need to speak. 
and include others in our lives so they can have hope. This summer, will you be willing to limit your liberty of having a great, easy summer with your family to invite some others into your life? To love them and to give them the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray we would be a church on fire for that. Amen? Bow your heads with me. In fact, this morning I would like to speak to maybe those of you who have never had the opportunity to know that you can have Jesus clean out the mess and the sin and the latrine of your life. As I said, there's nothing that can clean up your history. You can't go back there to fix it. Good works only count for what you do today. They don't count for what you did in the past. And one day we will stand before the God of heaven who will not allow sin in his presence and he will condemn us of the things that we've done wrong and the sins that we've done and we will cast, be cast into hell. But God doesn't want to leave us there. He's not leaving us in a situation of, of, of judgment. Instead, what he's done is he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who on the cross bore that sin, cleaned that latrine mess up of our history and our past. That if we would trust in him, we would be forgiven. And then when he rose from the dead, he gave us the indication and he showed us that we too will live then with God forever in eternity. And he gave us hope. Not a wish fulfillment, but the kind of hope that you have when you've ordered something on Amazon Prime and you're waiting for it that day and you don't know what time it's getting there. It's a promise, but you're just expecting it soon. And that's what God wants to give you, is the hope that you're given when you're forgiven of your sins and you're granted heaven. And he gives that to you. Don't go clean up first. He cleans it up. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who you followed. Maybe today it's time for you to change and trust that God's forgiving you of your sin through Jesus Christ if you will simply trust his promise. And if that's you right now and you need to receive that promise, you want to start following Jesus Christ to be forgiven of your sins, I'll give you this chance right now. You just put your hand up. You're telling me right where you're at. That's me. That's what I need. And I'm ready. I'm ready to trust God. right where you're at, then begin by explaining, confessing that latrine to God in a sense, telling him all the sin and mess that's been in your life. And I know you won't get through all of it, but just you're indicating to him that you acknowledge that that's true. Now, when you're kind of done with that that pile, I want you to imagine your mind's eye that you turn away from it and you turn to God. It's called repentance, where you turn to him away from your old life and you ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him then to put your sin on Christ and let him know that you trust that you've been forgiven and given access to heaven. Finally, ask him to come into your life, to lead you and to live with you all the way home to heaven. God, I just lift up those who have been praying that prayer today. That, Father, that you would indeed just see them where they're at. Forgive them of their sins. Welcome them in as you have all of us. And let them know that that's the case. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.